helps us quick, even though I'm pretty sure it's... Well, I have smashed the button. Oh, are, are we going? The button going has now. been smashed. The button has been smashed. Smash the button. Well, um, I have to say, every time I come out here, I'm, especially when I go to my parents' place this time of year, it's just all green and beautiful. It's like, man, I can't believe I grew up here. Where exactly is he? Here is Detroit Lakes. Well, specifically, the you're rectory. You're in the rectory at, at the at the Holy Rosary. Yeah, uh, Riley's been stationed, and it's awfully convenient. That yes, everyone was home this weekend. Yes, which normally is an impediment to us recording. Yeah, but this since time I happen to be assigned for the summer to the place that these people are, are from. from. <laughs> yeah, and because so of some microphone right? shenanigans last time we attempted recording, so we brought our whole kit here, mm -hmm. which was a lot easier than I was anticipating. So yeah. maybe we could do this more often over the Theoretically. summer. Theoretically. Maybe not every week, but like every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Although, like, how many episodes are we going to theoretically I mean, turn out this summer? If there's, like, you know, four weeks in a month-ish. Well, that's, that's a fair few that's episodes. About, that's, there's plenty of opportunities that's there. That's a near a dozen from, from here to the end of August. Yep. I will not be around for all of those. That's sure. true. Sure. I will be out next week. For, oh, dear. Uh, for a youth camp. Well, I will be out next week for, for a wedding. A wedding. I'll, I'll, I'll be in Chicago, and my sister's getting married. So, it'll just be will it just be you talking to yourself next week, James? Or well, you, I mean, well, because you're going, you're only going to be gone. We for, can we can record in the middle of the week. Yeah. That's the thing we can do. Okay. Yeah, so we can we can grab John for a guest appearance or something and talk about something. neat. Um, that's usual, especially now that he lives in the same house. <laughs> It's it's like right. come downstairs. To grab your yeah, come downstairs. I need you for a for a sub. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, in the same room <laughs> uh, <laughs> as us right now, which is I think we're pretty much done moving. There's like a couple yeah. more things we need to put together, but it's the process is complete. There oh. might be like some kitchenwares that nobody else wants. That we're like, yeah, sure, we'll claim, mm -hmm. but. Uh, we have to wait for our remaining roommates in our other house. Well, to... it's, it's just Colton. Although Mike oh, hasn't really? grabbed all of his stuff yet, but he's, right. he's Which got is, a new place. Like, so that's why I'm saying the other roommates yeah. to get their stuff out of the house. That's mm -hmm. why I use the plural form. Because there's a few things we genuinely have no idea who it belongs to. Right. And so it's, it'll just be either it belongs to one of us or none of us because we got it from the, the yellow men's house next to Newman <laughs> when we tore that down. <laughs> That the house that was yellow. The house that was yellow. That's the only way to refer to it because that's the only way anyone ever referred to it, aside from giving an address, which I don't think I anybody here's particularly comfortable with, even though it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I don't remember the address of the old place. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a location that no, no longer exists, though, because yeah, the company. There is now a construction site on the lot and all adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's not as if that space in the universe was annihilated. It's just, <laughs> um, you just get there, dark matter. There is now a void where mm -hmm. my former house used to be. Where the favorite priest took a payloader and sort of messed up, knocking down the house a little bit. <laughs> or no, it was it was an excavator, I think. Wasn't that like right around Thanksgiving or something? They tore it down. The old know. place. They yep. were talking about keeping it. 
as like yeah. an office space for sure. which there is no nope. way. And then they looked at it and said, "Yeah, why did we ever think that was gonna work?" Yeah, it's like from the outside, I could sure you could you. It's technically got the square footage, but it would be uh, practically a nightmare. So mm. and just like as big as the office space was that they got for the temporary Newman Center, like. And we barely fit in that. Barely fit in that, yeah. So I think it was a smart move. I should know I'm the guy that takes the garbage out. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think I'm going to get, there's going to have to be some campus minister volunteers next week. I talked to people about that because I won't be there next week. Oh, I'll yeah. I'll be out of town again, like I said before. Put a put one of those summer peer ministers on it. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's just bathrooms and garbage twice a week mm-hmm. and it's one week that i'm gone so you put their food it. and water bowl for them in the morning <laughs> <laughs> um i have to say of all the of all the people to clean up their offices um partially because monsignor schlossman is off doing all sorts of things with diaconate formation and stuff but i maybe had to <clears throat> take his trash out like once a month he produces very little trash like he keeps on his average, the least very in, orderly. I mean, there there have been a couple of people who have rotated in in and out of position, so it's like mm-hmm. maybe they would have produced less over a longer period of time, but yeah. they weren't there long enough to we, really compare. Insufficient sample size, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a job. <laughs> but funny thing about um, we're, uh, being the janitor at the Newman Center is it's hot out, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the staff will, while I'm not there. Uh, get some kind of like ice pops or something like that oh yeah group so i will be going doing the rounds taking people's garbage out i'm like hmm there's popsicle there's very specific types of wrappers and sticks in here i'm gonna go check the uh the freezer freezer to make sure (laughs) well because that that was the thing over the summer like people would get that sort of stuff and it would just sit there for months and so by the time school started it wasn't really that nice to look at anymore so no, they're, they're, they're side so you're, you're doing you're doing i'm cleaning up the fridge you're cleaning I mean, up the fridge yeah i'm, I'm cleaning up the fr- freezer yeah you know, it's just a freezer <laughs> burnt, freezer burnt sandy's donut you know he's, <laughs> nobody's gonna want to eat that but you're you're not you're not it's been out since. You're not above that when yeah you're a college student no. no you're not above that when you're nathan in general yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so those uh, some of the little secrets of the, the janitor life i guess specific to the new center i have no idea how normal janitors are i mean if you're working at home depot as a janitor it's like a pretty applicable thing for just about any janitor i suppose you, you it just, just depends just on the know space the ins and outs of the building i could pick the the school janitor's brain at work and see like what he does what kind of shared experience you may or may not have yeah but normally by the time i get in the office they're already done like a ninja yeah silent so, and no one notices yeah well he's got a very distinctive laugh <laughs> so I, I can hear him down the hall but okay yeah my garbage is gone by the time i get to work so um usually it is but yeah janitor life um oh yeah busy last we didn't record last week i suppose we should address that because of the move we ought to yeah there was just kind of stuff up in the air and all over the place and yeah everybody was moving all at the same time all three of us yeah mm-hmm. so. Yep. Yeah. What did uh? We're what, allowed to take breaks and stuff. What did you think of the the dual cast with just Nathan I and I? Listened to it yet? Okay. So it was I'm, it was all right. I'm almost finished with um, the Halo episode. Oh, okay. Oh sure. Because there was a couple you were you were out on because of uh stuff with mm-hmm. seminary moving stuff. from Indiana. Denver. This isn't your seminary. first one back since you've gotten back from the seminary in Denver. From Denver. From Denver. Yeah. Yes. There was one we did 
Yeah, in trans- we did yeah. one or two. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was there. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so we're we're back at it. Hopefully a little more consistently, although there will be some rotating cast. I'll be... Right. Um, T- tell you what, I think you're going to be the most consistent person on the podcast. Well, I'm the producer, if I'm not you here. Are. If you're not, not here, who's going to press play on the I mean, computer? It's not as if nobody else is capable. I'm just... It's just like, that's that's my thing. I'm the, I'm the producer guy. Hey, you know? Right, but thus far, Riley's rotated in and out in a lot. Mm. I've already missed one being the Avatar, the Avatar episode, episode. Yeah, and now I'm gonna miss at, at least one more. Yeah, yeah. I'll be. Um, well, here's the thing. Like for the episode where I'll be in Montana, I feel like we'll probably be able to record beforehand. So sure, just with some because I don't leave until Tuesday. Behind the scenes, clever scheduling. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, I guess while we talk about the podcast, uh, we haven't told Nathan about this. Yeah, we we haven't told Nathan about this idea. Oh, I showed up a little late. Well, well, no, we were talking about this last week. Something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, well, we 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 have to run this by me right now, live on tape, live reaction cam, but it's a microphone. Uh, Nathan's audible visual reaction. (laughs) That's something. It's well, it's it's a big, but it's not really that big. Um. Well, we are considering expanding the scope of the podcast a little bit, all while remaining true to well, our re- brand. Remaining true to the essential function of the podcast. Yeah, which is to educate uh-huh. the people, the but like to be Palladian. bringing up new kinds of topics yes. to talk about. Yes. Why don't, you, about. why don't you pitch it, Riley, since it was, so uh, you were the originator. My idea is, you know, I've been around on the Catholic internet a long time, and as I've started studying philosophy in my courses at seminary i've looked around for you know supplemental philosophy content out there and there just isn't Uh uh-huh and there's lots of thomism stuff which is great and apologetic stuff apologetics is not philosophy no but like applying it's i I like to complain about apologists but we'll save that for another day okay sounds good um like there's just not a lot out there besides Thomistic philosophy, and there's a lot more to the tradition than Thomistic philosophy. Which don't get us wrong, T- Thomas is good, but we there's, love Thomas here. He's part of he's part of the he's part of the bigger picture. And he's, I imagine there's other schools of ph- philosophical th- thought that, although flawed, there's things you can take well, from even them, right? you know solely within a Christian or context even, and things that we consider to be more or less error free have a very different approach than Thomas does. Oh mm-hmm. sure. You know, Thomas is heavily founded on Aristotle, and a lot of the early church fathers had their foundations on Plato and Plotinus. So it has been a thought that's been percolating in my brain that I would like to start introducing some of these core philosophy topics so that people who are evaluating media, like us, can understand them better. Have the vocabulary and be equipped to understand these things. Well, this would be end up being a um, an effort spearheaded primarily right. by you and, that and is, guided by you because you're the one taking philosophy, and I've never taken a philosophy right. class. I am sorely behind on this. Right, uh, and I have that's kind of part of the fun of it. Is where that it's you guys are my instant feedback about whether we're the what everyman I'm characters makes any sense at all. <laughs> we're the everyman characters for the audience. Well, we're the stand-in for the audience. We're yeah. avatars, <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot more practically because we. And well, I've studied it a bit on my own, like some introductory stuff. But it would be good to. And I've I've 
been in the room when your brother-in-law has talked philosophy. He yes. took philosophy in college. And, and so my I'm, sister's husband has also participated in those sorts of discussions. Um, here's the thing. Your brother-in-law means there. your sister's husband. So I think that's... Well, that's the bit. That, that, is, that is the that bit. That is the definition, but there is also another way to say it. Andrew. Anything but use his real name. <laughs> No, our our our, yes. our shared brother. Uh, he he did philosophy in uh, college. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the room for some philosophical discussions, mm-hmm. um, and there's some interesting stuff there. So yeah, I would be pretty pretty down for it. It's, we would need it's to create a new stuff. bumper for it. We would need yeah. to create a, a a kind of a format for it. Mm-hmm. Right? But uh, try to know. keep it within the wheelhouse of Palladium Paper. So we'll figure out like. But the... also now that it's on the podcast, as long as this is not getting edited out, mm-hmm. we can get some feedback in case uh, our listeners, all two of them, uh, disapprove of this direction. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this I mean, might we, we might just do I... it regardless of we whether they approve it, or not. You know? We're just gonna do it. <laughs> I've, I've mulled over the idea of making it a separate podcast, mm-hmm. so that Which... people don't have to go filter through the main Palladian Papist feed to find it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just have it as this separate entity that's like... Same know, branding and whatnot. It's same still branding, us. but still a distinct feed so that sure. you know, it's all a one-stop shop. You don't have to go filtering Which means we if would that's s- something you're particularly and interested if, But that would also make our main Palladian Papist's uploads a little more... Um, uh, inconsistent because one right. week we People might do one, one might doing that, and so there'll be a week gap here and there. But it's something we'll have to think about exactly how we're going to present so it. But I would stay like tuned. Yeah. Palladian Papers presents. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's Palladian a, philosophy. Yeah, as we uh, as we develop as we develop this brand. No, as as we continue to develop the podcasts and um, but stay tuned. We're gonna. It's not going to be like a seismic change. We're not doing like a crunch rebrand or anything like that. So it's I mean, that wasn't really a seismic change. Either. No, they just no. kind of had structure added that they didn't have before, mm-hmm. which which we have been doing since day one. Yeah, it's not, it's kind of like the house I grew up in. Like it wasn't done, and we've been gradually they, we gradually finished it over the course of like fifteen years. So that's kind of the podcast thing we got going Wait, on here. It's it's evolving. Um, another thing too is uh, you know the more we put effort into us into this, um, we're doing this now completely for free because I got rid of Adobe programs because it was going to be too expensive. But um, aside from like a couple of microphones here and there, we do this because we like doing it. But uh, we would appreciate it if y'all would encourage others to listen to the podcast as well. And who knows, maybe with the philosophy cast or whatever name we come up with for that, we'll end up being more popular than the original and that's okay there's different strokes for different folks as they say um but yeah just spread the good word about the podcast i'll try to get more consistent about posting um on social media, on social media yeah and we'll uh, we'll be continuing to develop the pod as we go along speaking so. of social media where can they find it no we're not there we're not we're not there yet at all right, folks podcast's over <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we're just shooting the breeze that's the that's the cast today but uh, I guess if on that note, yeah, we can. We're the, well, yeah. That on that trip, we're the Palladium Papists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm James. I'm Nathan, and I'm Riley. Uh, and this has been the cleanest segue we've ever had oh, into an far. episode of Philosophical, as I understand. Yep, we are doing Philosophical today. In a world where one man will decide whether to pull a lever and kill one man. Or not pull a lever and allow five people to die. Find out in... Philosophical.
So yeah, philosophical is where we get philosophical about films, but not in the same ways that it, whatever you'll we'll get there. Um, so today we are talking about uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, which is uh, was made in 1998. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, um, set in the invasion of Normandy in World War II. So recently, uh, last week in fact was like I believe the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings, which you might know from your. Uh, history class or whatever so 1944 you know the uh allies are invading the french coast of normandy to retake europe and about a year later they managed to um defeat the nazis that's uh, this over simplistic view of it so that's that's the backdrop the setting of the film um now this is a fictional um it's a fictional um story but it's based loosely on real accounts which weren't as dramatic, but the purpose of the movie, I, I believe is more to kind of give like the most, because up until this point, most war films, you know, you had like your John Wayne or like your different actors. It, and it, it was, was war heroes, a little over glorified silver screen type of stuff. And then like in the later half of the 20th century, you have like your Vietnam films and all that stuff. So, which are all anti-war very. Yeah. But the depiction heavily. of war had, it was a very Hollywood eyes bent to it. Um, and one thing this film is particularly renowned for is just showing the raw, raw and realism, grim, brutal reality of combat, which kind um, of has become the norm for modern. Uh, yeah, it really set the tone for uh, following war, war movies. Films. Yeah, that came after it. So it was it was really groundbreaking in a lot of ways, and and quite literally spawned the uh, the whole. Um, it inspired every World War II shooter <laughs> afterwards because I believe. Uh, sidetrack but the medal of honor games was made by like um i think steven spielberg was like a consultant or something and then that that whole branched off so this is sort of the the historical backdrop of basically it. this movie has in, made an impact on pop culture and film history mm -hmm. it's a pretty it's an important one yeah so um we open the movie there's this elderly elderly man and his family are visiting um a grave site at the normandy beach for all the soldiers um who gave their lives during the invasion and uh they come across this one headstone and the man falls to his knees with emotion and then transitions back to uh at that point i want to say 50 years earlier um during the normandy landings um so the opening scene of saving private ryan where they you know get out of the boats and storm the beach under machine gun fire and just death everywhere is widely considered to be the most accurate depiction of the normandy landings ever put to film um some of the facts about the filming are just insane like i think it was it was some astronomical number of gallons of like fake blood or something they used to film the movie but anyway that's that's all stuff aside we can in talk the about days later. before they could just paint it in afterwards yeah yeah so the uh at omaha they're landing at omaha beach and so you have tom hanks um leading his squad um and they you know they invade the their second ranger battalion i believe captain john miller um they work their way up the beachhead and defeat the germans and eventually start pushing into normandy so back at the war department the uh the top brass learn that there is this family of soldiers um three of whom had been killed i believe it was three two or three of whom had been killed um in other theaters like one was in north africa one was in the pacific or something and then there was one remaining brother in this family who was in the military who was in the 101st airborne and had dropped behind enemy lines and so because earlier in world war ii there was uh the sullivan brothers i believe 
um, there, there was these five brothers that all joined the Navy together and they all went down with this one ship that got sank. And so after that, the U S military made this policy where if there was one surviving family member, that person would automatically get sent home so that their families wouldn't be completely bereaved. Um, there'd be a survivor of the family. And so they find out that there's this guy who didn't know his brothers were dead sent behind enemy lines. And so like, well, we got to send some people to go get him. Um, so, um, captain Miller's, uh, ordered to take a squad from the Normandy landings and work his way, even though the, um, so in Normandy for background, you have the invasion on the beaches, but then they had paratroopers drop behind enemy lines to hold key points so they could disrupt the German response, um, to the invasion, but the main force hadn't quite caught up to him yet. So they were still kind of stranded behind enemy lines. So the small squad of people has to make its way to this town where they believe, um, private Ryan, private James Ryan, um, which is funny cause I have a brother named Ryan. Um, anyway, he, uh, they have to go get him and bring him home. So they make their way across the French countryside coming across different, um, you know, battalions of soldiers, on their way through, get into a few scrapes um, with the Germans. Uh, a number of the troops get killed on their way through there. Um, they uh, there's sort of uh, some resentment growing among the squad because they're like, well, why? Why? Because they've lost a couple of their comrades at this point. They're like, well, why are eight of our lives? deemed equal to this one dude's life in this whole mess of stuff. And so they're sort of struggling with the decency and the being, cause these guys are veterans of different conflicts, right? They've been in North Africa and right. stuff. So this isn't their first rodeo and they're, they've been through a lot, but they're like, you know, this, this kid's a greenhorn. Like, why are we going to save him? And so they're trying to find decency and that's sort of the conflict going on there. Um, the, uh, there's one scene in particular that's pretty powerful. They, um, so they come across these bodies and there's this German radar station and they get fired at by a machine gun. And so they realize, oh, even though this isn't our mission, we should take out this machine gun nest so that more of our guys don't keep getting killed by these people. And so they assault, they assault the, the position and take the guys out. But one of their troops is mortally wounded. And so that sparks out the whole debate about why are we doing this? And so there's like on the point of mutiny, um, because they had captured this one German soldier and they're like, well, do we let him go or do we execute him because we can't take him as a prisoner? Because if we just let him go, he'll probably just go right back to the Germans and keep fighting and killing Americans. So they have this whole debate and then um, Captain Miller sort of uses his, uh, he, uh, they have, he has, there's a standoff between a couple of the soldiers and he diffuses it by, because he's never revealed to these guys his personal life. He'd been a school teacher and sort of had a gentle upbringing and stuff like that. So he kind of shows his human side and diffuses the situation. Um, they let the guy go, hoping that, you know, he has the decency to, you know, not keep fighting. And they're like, all right, well, you got to go to American lines. We'll disarm you. Got to go to American lines and turn yourself in as a POW. So they uh, make their way to this town. They don't quite know where captain or, or private Ryan is. So they're asking these different units that they come across where he's at, but they manage to come, they get a tip that brings them to this town where they encounter him. And, and then he's like, yep, I'm, I'm private Ryan is played by Matt Damon. 
And like Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Um so yeah, they come across him there and they're like, All right, well, we're here to bring you home. And he's like, What? No, I can't leave my brothers. You know, I lost my biological brothers in the war, but these guys I've been with, you know, training forever and it turns out that their the remain the remnants of their unit is all that's keeping this key town from being captured by this German German um, Panzer unit that's going to come through and take the town. They're like, well, what do we do here? Do we just fulfill our mission and leave these guys to their fate, or do we stay and fight and try to you know bring some decency and hopefully save some Private Ryan along the way? Um, so they ultimately decide to stay behind and help try to um, keep the town. So eventually the Germans come. And, uh, it's a, through some brutal fighting, most of the squad gets killed, um, including Captain Miller, but they managed to hold it down long enough for the rest of the allies to show up and, you know, beat back the assault. Um, and so as he's laying dying, um, Captain Miller takes private Ryan by the arm and he's like, earn this, earn it. And so, um, and then it flashes back forward years later where um, the old gentleman is Private Ryan and he's visiting the gravestone of Captain Miller. And he's like, you know, I've lived my whole life since then hoping to try and earn it like you told me to. And so that's kind of where the movie ends. That's the not so brief, brief overview. Um, it's briefer than most of your overviews. Let's be real here. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's some subplots which we'll get into on the different transcendental analyses. But um, the story is loosely based on there was it wasn't private ryan i forgot what what his name was but i believe he was one of the troops in the it was in the same unit as the guys from the um, band of brothers 101st airborne unit he had his brothers die in the war and then he got sent home but it turned out that one of his brothers who had died in the pacific was a was like a pilot i believe but he was a pow and so when the war ended he came home and so instead of losing three of the brothers there was there was still two alive so that was kind of a little happy ending there that's the true story it wasn't as dramatic they basically just called up his unit was like hey send him back so right. that's the, that's the loose so but they, they, they dramatized the the they took the idea of that mm-hmm. kind of a story yeah and dramatized it to make commentary on wartime thinking and mm-hmm. what the uh, mindset of a soldier was in world war Two. yep because there is a lot of discussion in this movie about the value of a human person. Yep. About what it's worth, what is worth going through. Is it easier to let someone die or to kill someone if it's inconvenient for you? Or, you know, it's there's a lot of really interesting, like, mm-hmm. discussions they touch on. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a pretty good cast of characters in here, too. Um the stars off the top of my head obviously have um, Tom Hanks and Matt Damon, and then mm-hmm. you got Vin Diesel as well as one of the troops that gets oh, killed. Oh yeah, he was. Um, the characters are pretty good. It's generally with war films, you have they try to have like these soldiers that are sort of a cross section of American life, right? Back in the so day, you have like, like your average uh, Joe trooper, a group of archetypes mm-hmm. in, in a sense. <sighs> yep. Um, you have, uh, I don't remember the name of the actor, but you have the sergeant who's sort of the second in command and he's been, he's kind of Captain Miller's loyal, you know, second in command and, um, tries to keep the other troops in line. And then you have all these other guys who are, you know, not quite sold on this, but then in the end ultimately choose to make the right decision and try to, the whole thing is, uh, 
they're having this debate among themselves like you know we've done a lot of crazy stuff and war is dirty like how do we bring any decency to this and it's like well if we can send this kid home to his mother and prevent her from losing one more son then we brought some decency into this world so into this messed up world so um some of the characters uh there's the sniper you know who's um he's you know a, a killing machine but then every time he kills an enemy he says a prayer <laughs> you know like he's like praying the psalms you know between like you know have mercy on me O lord or something like that and um and but then he's he's praying for himself and also the people he kills which is kind of an interesting mm-hmm. concept there's another character who um he's a side character who has sort of an impact um so he's kind of this logistics um guy he's kind of a scrawny little dude and um not really he's technically an infantryman but he's mostly like an aide or whatever to Mm. this officer but he gets picked to get sent along with these guys and so he struggles a lot with whether or not he'd be brave he's never fired a shot in anger so he's he struggles a lot with whether or not he'd be brave enough to kill or whether or not he could kill um and there's this moment where he sort of freezes in fear and conflict with himself as one of his comrades is in a hand-to-hand fight with this German soldier being killed. And so he's there with a gun. He could have helped him, but he's just kind of frozen and can't do it. But later they discover that prisoner who they had told, you know, uh, who they had told to like go turn himself in as a POW. He's back with this unit, taking this town fighting the, you know, and so this guy, this, this uh, scrawny guy sort of, has a change of heart and like kills, kills the guy um, for betraying them basically and turning on them. So that, that's sort of his character arc, but um, let's see. Cause you've seen it. I think you, I think you and I saw it um, at the same time way back when. I don't know if I saw it with you. I know I've seen it a while ago. Yeah. Have you seen it Riley? Yeah. It's been a while, but yeah. I have seen it. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can talk about, I mean, it's a war film, obviously it's not really an entertainment value thing, but. What are some what are some positives from the movie? Like just broadly, like because I mean, as war as war, it's sort of the quintessential war movie that most people will think of when you think of like a World War II mm-hmm. war film. Um, the movie doesn't sugarcoat the violence at all. Like, in fact, it does the exact opposite. And I think that woke up a lot of people, you know, who watched like war movies and things up to that point. It's like, oh. Mm. war isn't some fun game like people die and get mutilated and die in horrible grotesque ways and it's it's ugly even though world war ii had some clear moral implications to it like probably some of the clearest moral implications in mm-hmm. in any war, in any war just war. about ever pretty it's much. A, on a macro scale at least but the soldiers on both sides did terrible things to one another you know mm. in service of their countries so it's it, it really portrays that the human cost of war um, but then they still decide even all this horrible stuff going on that they can still try to that there there is good that can come from it and mm-hmm. worth to make it worth fighting for and, and sort of in captain miller um as he's dying and telling private ryan to you know earn this it's sort of a message to private ryan and the audience you know it's like they these make people our sacrifice worth it yeah we went through hell so that a new world could come out of it so try to earn it um so it's, it's it's not only a message for Private Ryan literally in the movie, but mm-hmm. for everyone who survived and everyone who benefits. Yep. Yeah. Don't don't let us waste this. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things I like just because I like details um, is all the, there's a bunch of different references and small details that were historically accurate. I find really fascinating. Like at one point, these uh, two troops come out of a bunker and are like asking to be uh, or, you know, are trying to surrender and they're yelling at something and the troops don't understand them. So they shoot them. Um, but somebody went through and realized, oh, these guys are speaking Czech. They're not Germans. And what they're tr- what they're saying in Czech is we're not sure we're not German. Don't shoot, because during World War II, you know, especially as the fighting on the Eastern Front with the Russians got more and more brutal, the Germans were short on troops, so they would take POWs, give them German equipment, and tell them to go fight on the front lines. So they actually one of the crazier stories that came out of this. So Russia um, had fought because uh, Japan had taken the Korean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. So there's these Korean soldiers were POWs forced to fight for the Russians, were then POWs of the Germans forced to fight the Americans. <laughs> so they had Korean troops <laughs> at Normandy and like Czechs and all these different things. It's kind of bizarre stuff that happens like that. So yeah, things like that. That's what I enjoy about movies. It's like oh, sure. different things, but obviously very well filmed and executed. Oh, yeah. um, well, we'll get into the beauty and stuff, but yeah. Any other comments, I suppose, from the peanut gallery? Not off the top of my head as as i said i haven't seen it in a long time and mm-hmm. aside from like the vague plot and the overall morals of it it didn't stick with me the way it probably stuck with you being the world war II i'm, guy I'm kind of are. a i'm a core it's kind of a world war ii junkie yeah um from a, <laughs> story time from a very young age like uh, um so i you know there's five of us boys in my family the two older ones were really into world war ii so from the age of four I could name just about every airplane that was used. Like, no joke. We had a book with pictures and everything, and I had memorized, like, all the <laughs> names of the aircraft and stuff. So, um, yeah, this stuff is, I've, you know, when you're a kid, like, this sort of thing is, like, cool. Like, oh, wow, look at all these cool planes and stuff. And then as I've gotten older, you know, my interest has sort of matured into, like, you know, I've, when I watch a war movie, it's kind of a, it's more of a solemn, reflective kind of a, kind of a activity As than just a raw action be, i think yeah because a lot of people you know there's been long-standing debates about you know the merits of violence in film um and uh, you know some films yeah there's just gratuitous violence like nobody's pretending that john wick is like <laughs> you know anything like you know, some weird meta commentary or anything. John Wick yeah. itself like, doesn't have anything to say about violence itself. John like, Wick is violence. John that is Wick, the movie. Yeah. Really. Whereas modern war movies use the imagery and violence to say something about the use of violence mm-hmm. and about you know, like humanity and humanity's capacity for evil. I and mean, really, in like the really, really long haul, John Wick has something to say about using violence mm-hmm. or violence, but that's yeah, like a several movies long live, live by the sword, die by the sword kind of a message. Sort of thing, yeah, but it takes it a long time to establish that, fact. right? Whereas this is a little more upfront and clear, it's the point it's from the, the point. start, yeah. Um. Yeah, with with war films, um, yeah, generally that's the message. Is like trying to. It's more of an exploration of humanity because, especially now. I mean, granted, like when we were growing up, there was like the Iraq War and Afghanistan, all that going on, but it wasn't nearly as present. And because uh, in the culture, per se, I mean, now you know, since there are veterans coming back and telling their stories, and there's different movies being made about mm-hmm. the Iraq War, but. Um, 
in the war against war on terror and stuff but it wasn't nearly at the scale of, of the second world oh, war no. like almost everyone knew somebody or had a family member who was in the service like both of my grandfathers were in the army and navy mm-hmm. um you know on snuckles like everybody at least knew someone who had died in the war um more than likely and it was like a big cultural had big cultural impact and so in peacetime it's a little harder to appreciate that well because like especially now in the 20th and 21st centuries like um, well, well, not in the 21st century. The war hasn't been nearly as ubiquitous as the 20th century, but I think we tend to forget how, you know, for millennia, war was sort of the reality, everyday, like the reality that humans have lived in. So, like, even though it's not been a completely peaceful past few decades, like, it's been more compared peaceful to human, than previous centuries. Yeah. And in, in the backdrop of human history, there's been a lot of wars, a lot of death, a lot of. I mean, basically any movement ended up with a war at some point. Yeah. And so it's interesting too, and this is kind of a wide tangent, but one of the things I think about too is that um, a lot of people, you know, will talk about, you know, religious wars and things like that. But then when you look at, you know, the 20th century, which had World War One and World War Two, were kicked off by atheistic um, governments and movements. So... The idea of Christendom, you know, you have the Catholic Church is sort of keeping everybody together and trying to mitigate death and violence as much as possible. And then once that's taken away, within like two centuries, you see like the highest death tolls of any conflicts in history. So food for thought, I guess. But that's a wide tangent. Um, Before I runneth my mouth over too much, (laughs) I suppose we should get into (laughs) transcendental analysis. Um, Yeah, this this is sort of my bread and butter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when while I was still allowed to listen to podcasts at work or listen to podcasts at work, I would I would listen to this podcast talking about wars and <laughs> war crimes and different crazy stuff, and I would just get I would just crank out work like crazy. Like you know what? Deep I'm be- thought. I'm beginning to believe you you could hold down a whole podcast episode if we did. I have the knowledge base. I'd have to brush up <laughs> on a few details, but I could do that if I wanted to. But yeah. Uh, and we probably touched on some of these already, but uh, truth. What truths can we draw from Saving Private Ryan, particularly as Catholics? I suppose we could talk about just war doctrine a little bit. Indeed, we could. We could. That's a. Um, who wants to take that one? I'll let you. I'll well, let you. you I've been talking for a while. I guess I could talk about it. So the Church defines a just <clears throat> war as one in which the um, you are either a defending party or you know, trying to defend another party who is being aggressed upon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a war of aggression is not morally permissible mm-hmm. under the church's guidelines. You know, if we just like... Want, we're invading Mexico. We're invading Mexico today. That's not... Just because we want to. That Yeah, that's right. Just, you know, just offhand. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a morally justifiable war. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the ending of human life by not god is something we would like to avoid at by like all means. every cost possible at the every cost possible mm-hmm. now from mexico's perspective it would be a just war because they are defending themselves and their country and its residents mm-hmm. from an aggressor and if canada decided to come to mexico's aid in that they would also be morally justified in so doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and from the allied perspective World War II is a pretty classic case of just war. Um, that's Now, just because a country may engage in a just war doesn't mean that everything they do in war is just. You know, stuff 
but just happens from, from when people the die. Outset, the, the, it is a permissible action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sort of walks the line between pacifism and, you know, being a warmonger. Like only under the right conditions can one wage war morally. Yeah, don't just take a beating while you're down, but also don't be the one beating mm-hmm. people down. Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing. Um, when I, when I think there's a lot of people who rightly, you know, will advocate for peace and people who protest. Well, I think there's multiple reasons why one might protest against the military, but I think that's sort of, in my opinion, going the, like laying the problem at the wrong feet is not because necessarily certain nations have militaries that conflicts happen. It's, it's sort of a both and kind of a deal. You have militaries because other people kill people and sometimes you need to kill people so they they don't kill people. So yeah, it's not as if everyone, if everyone got rid of their militaries, they, there would be no war and no death because Because there would be inevitably people that did not get rid of their militaries. mm -hmm. So it's sort of a evil that we won't really do away with completely until the second coming. That's sort of the reality we live in. But that does mean that we must do, always do our best to work it's work for peace. Possible to do. It's, it is theoretically I mean, possible it's in the human condition. Sinful as we are, I just mm-hmm. it's not super realistic to expect it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. just, even just in Europe, things have come a long way since World War. Yeah, II. Europe has fought. I mean, they they were the recipient of the worst conflict in human history, mm-hmm. and that kind of shook them up to realize we need to stop this. Yeah, we yeah we should maybe uh, work this thing out. Yeah, a little more peacefully, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you so, don't have Germany and France like duking it out with each other anymore, which is, you know, so that took with everyone crowded ground going fight. That fight, only took fight, like a thousand fight. years to happen, <laughs> um, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, it's and yeah, so wars may be engaged in justly, and there's other films like we may end up talking about Hacksaw Ridge at some point. Did you see that one? That's yeah, I need one. to watch that. But like, you know, the conscientious objectors and things like that. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's such thing as a just war, but that doesn't mean all war is just or all things that happen in war are just, but mm-hmm. you got to apply the principle of double effect in all things, you know, is the good achieved? Does that outweigh the evil as committed? Because no matter what, it is an act of evil to take a human life. Even if that person, you know, is even if you intend good from it, Mm-hmm. so you have to live with that and you know in world war ii we're still it's good to another truth a broad truth i suppose is to keep in mind like a lot of people nowadays will re- refer to world war ii and like the not you're a nazi like things like that but like it is important to understand like we're only we're less than a century removed from all these things we're still living in the shadow and the aftermath of the second world war and then the cold war that came from that so mm-hmm. it's good to look back on history to understand how we got here um right uh those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it as, mm-hmm. it, as the saying goes and i'm sorry if you had a history class that you were bored with um or something like that um, but it's good to find ways there are plenty of like youtube channels and things and books you can read and stuff that you can that present history in a far more interesting way than it ever really is academically. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're just into that sort of thing. Yeah. Like first place. Yeah. Just enjoyed doing AP US history because mm-hmm. it did. But yeah, the more you know about, you know, 
the more you study human history, the more you become familiar with human nature. But then you need philosophy and other things to completely understand it and God to redeem it. So, uh, goodness. Go. <laughs> Not way. really well, there's, there's, on Saving Private Ryan, but Saving Private Ryan is sort of a reflection on right. World War II and a, sort general, of a yeah. microcosm of it, of a piece of it. Um, goodness. So, despite the war and death and terror, um, what what were some good things in Saving Private Ryan? The troops displayed, you know, a degree of valor in putting their own lives on the line to try mm-hmm. to rescue someone else. Yeah. Even if they weren't entirely settled on as a whole coherent unit on doing it, mm-hmm. they all they recognized to do it in the end. Yeah. And so they were willing to. Um, recognize the the value of family mm-hmm. and you know they were the particular purpose for which they were doing this is to ensure the that a family member survives and mm-hmm. can return home and take care of his family in turn so mm-hmm. they recognize that as a, a really really important good mm-hmm. and you know it, it ended it, up it, making the sacrifice for that mm-hmm. yeah because i think there's only like one guy left out of the squad that besides private Ryan that survives and he's like one of the people who's the most reluctant, but then he's able to set aside his misgivings and fight, you know, for his brothers until they're all gone. So then there was also, um, Ryan, Ryan's decision at the end to not just abandon his post and his people Mm -hmm. and, uh, the squad's group, a decision to also not abandon them. Yeah. Which led to their demise, but ultimately led to a critical victory Mm -hmm. that saved the town, saved private Ryan and helped save the war. Mm -hmm. They, uh, yeah, they, cause private Ryan, like at first they're like, well, who is this dude really? Is he worth fighting for? And then they, they find the kid and it turns out he's actually a good soldier and, you know, really, well, like, even though he knows, like, he can go home, like, he doesn't want to. He wants to keep fighting. But then, like, he, by the end of it, he understands, like, okay, the sacrifice was so great. I need to honor it by, you know, going home. And ultimately, and who is a good life. Private Ryan? It's every surviving veteran, essentially. Yeah. Everybody's got, like, one thing you hear a lot from soldiers is, like, that sort of survivor's guilt. Um, even among, um, there's this one guy... I was listening to a podcast where he was he was from like the Iraq war. He'd won the Medal of Honor, but then he's like, you know, I got awarded for the worst day of my life, you know, for stuff I did. So the sort of survivor's guilt, yeah, of like, mm-hmm. you know, why did I survive when these guys who are just are good just as good or better than me didn't, you know? But that's sort of that's the the wrong mindset to have about it. It's mm-hmm. not focusing on why me. It's focusing on because it's me, I need to do something with this. Mm-hmm. And so, and the, um, I guess another thing I can talk about too is like, um, you never want to like general rule of thumb: don't idolize things. Especially, I mean, you can honor the sacrifice of soldiers and stuff while understanding they're human beings who you know have flaws and stuff. So they don't need to be put up on pedestal. And honestly, most people I talk to who have been in the military don't like being put on a pedestal and that type of thing. But it's still good to respect those who have served in a healthy and ordered way. So that's my comment there. Um, any other good elements? I think we mostly got that. Cause even, yeah, even in the midst of like the war and stuff, like they, you know, they had, had a desire to 
because they they had done things they that made it hard to sleep at night, but they were trying to still bring some good out of the chaos and evil. So, um, beauty. Now, <laughs> war is not beautiful. No, but this movie was artfully made, and sometimes art reflects on evil and and terror and things like that. Right. In ways, it, it's very good. It's a very evocative film. Right. It's like. You wouldn't call The Passion of the Christ a beautiful film necessarily just because it's so brutal in all terms, the time. Right. But there's a point to the brutality. Yeah. And so same same with Saving Private Ryan. It is intentionally done, mm-hmm. and it is well done in a way that does evoke the um, disgust necessary it's, it's, towards the actions taken in the war. Mm-hmm. Well, also, sort of a solemnity for the it doesn't lives lost and things like sugarcoat that. Sugarcoat it. It also doesn't like over glorify the violence or mm-hmm. go overboard with the gore. Be- mm-hmm. Although in some cases it's hard to go overboard with how mm-hmm. uh, awful it actually was. Yeah. But like it wasn't violence for violence sake and it was tastefully done. It was artfully done. It was accurately done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh Unity, um, what you what what draws everything together, in Saving Private Ryan. I suppose the idea of sacrifice, as sacrifice a, and the value of human life. Yeah, I would say. Yep. Because people are worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, war is hell. But then, you know. The other thing I, I, that I like to think about with like war films and different things like that is like, cause like, you know, you like to, well, obviously like pray for the souls of those who have been lost, you know, in war and different things and not, you know, just in general, play, pray for the, pray for those who have died. But I like to think that, you know, in remembering the sacrifices of those who suffered horribly, you know, in wars and things like that, you were sort of keeping their memory alive and honoring them that way, even though in, in life, you know, they may have died a horrible death, but just like making sure those people aren't forgotten. Mm-hmm. And it's through their horrible death that people are saved. And we have a better world because of it. Argue, and, you know, like, especially in this modern world that we have here. Right. So I guess those are my takeaways. So with that, one of one of one of James's uh, deep dives. <laughs> no, James's deep dives. Unfortunately, Not, we don't have the exit script on this machine, no. so we're just gonna have to wing rely it. on my memory here. So, um, thanks for listening to the Palladium Papist. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Palapapus. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Not on SoundCloud anymore. No, not SoundCloud. <laughs> that that was episode four. Um, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Or Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if you, you can email us with your questions, comments, concerns, or complaints at, or requests for future episodes at palladiumpapis at gmail.com. And we will catch you guys again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Hopefully. See, it wasn't too bad for... No, it was I mean, it wasn't great, but... It, it just stopped.